my name is JJ Holly. I am the president and CEO of the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce, and welcome to another episode of Between the Trees Business Talk. Today, we have uh, two people from the San Jacinto River Authority. We have Jace Houston and Heather Cook. So thank you all very much for coming today. We appreciate you being here. Happy to be here. Welcome. It's always fun. You know, uh, water is, is always an interesting topic, or actually, it's sometimes a boring topic until it becomes interesting. <laughs> Yeah. And and so it's become very interesting uh, as of late with a lot of different issues about Lake Houston uh, and how they manage uh, uh, the water downstream, uh, Lake Conroe and all the watersheds that flow. And we've had flooding, we've had hurricanes, uh, we've had uh, droughts in the not too distant past. So uh, why don't we start off, if you guys can explain what St. Jacinto River Authority does and then how all the other agencies, how they tie into how it makes water get to our front door. Sure. You know, river authorities are really an interesting story in the state of Texas. There are a couple of dozen river authorities in the state, and their primary function really uh, is long-term water supply development. Do we have enough water to support all of the businesses and the citizens and the farmers and industries in our community for 50 to 100 years? It's really long-term planning. They build reservoirs, pipelines, canal systems, you name it. But what's amazing about them is they can evolve to fill other needs within their area that are local. The Woodlands is a great example. Uh, so when the Woodlands began to develop in the early 70s, uh, they, the developer knew that the development would occur over time in phases uh, using municipal utility districts for the retail water and sewer service. But they needed an entity to provide a regional system, a trunk system. So you don't have 10 wastewater plants and 10 water systems. You, they wanted the woodlands to be a unified duplication system. of bureaucracy. Absolutely. And so the River Authority was asked to fill that role. And River Authorities across Texas do that in a lot of different places. They'll build regional wastewater plants. If you have a number of cities, then they can avoid individual systems. They all share a system and it saves mm -hmm. a lot of money. And that's kind of the role SGRA fills here in the woodlands. Okay. So how does SGRA interact with the MUDs and what used to be the Woodlands Joint Power Association, which is now Woodlands Water Agency and Lone Star Groundwater uh, Conservation District. How does how do all those systems or organizations interact? SGRA has contracts with each of the MUDs in the Woodlands. It's a service contract. We are their wholesale water and wastewater provider. So we work directly with the MUD boards and plan for their future needs. Now, this was a whole different story when the Woodlands was developing because it was a lot of construction. Mm -hmm. you know, it was building the next capacity mm -hmm. and the next part of the system to support the growth. Which is really expensive. People don't realize the expense that goes into putting water systems in the ground and getting all those pipes to all the residential and business areas. Absolutely. It's, a, yeah. it's enormously challenging. Um, and it took a lot of planning. But mm -hmm. That contract basically outlines the, the roles of the River Authority with the MUDs. We're their wholesale provider. We drill the water wells. We construct the elevated storage tanks. When people see water towers alongside of the road, those were built and uh, constructed and maintained by SJRA. But we do that for the MUDs who are our customers. And we set a rate uh, that's designed to just cover the cost. And that's what the, the MUDs pay for, for those services. And that includes, there's three regional wastewater treatment plants all the collection lines uh, to handle that. Mm -hmm. it, was all, it was all done through contracts with mm -hmm. the MUDs. Okay. And how does that interact with the Woodlands Water Agency and Lone Star Groundwater? 
So the Woodlands Water Agency is sort of a master mud. You have 10 individual mud districts in the Woodlands, and that's five elected mud directors for each one. So that's 50, 50 mud directors, uh, 55 if you count mud 386 that straddles the Montgomery Harris County line. Mm-hmm. Um, so they each select one of their directors to serve on the Woodlands Water Agency. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a way to bring together all 10 of those and make decisions for the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and SGRE, we work with all of the MUDs individually, but the Woodlands Water Agency really uh, is a single entity that can handle a lot of the administrative. They have one general manager, one mm-hmm. staff, one, you know, like I, I get my agency. bill from Willow's Water Agency, right. so they, they must provide that billing service for all the mud. So, again, they don't have to duplicate that times 10 That's and, and all that expense, so it saves us money in the long run. It's an efficiency thing. Okay. Absolutely. Now, where Lone Star comes into this um, is, is a completely different part of the story. So, throughout Texas, groundwater is considered privately owned. And the legislature decided decades ago that if there's an area of the state that needs to manage its groundwater for some reason, Mm -hmm. it's gonna be done through a local government entity Mm -hmm. called a groundwater district. So back in 2001, Montgomery County decided they needed a groundwater district to begin managing the groundwater within Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. They went to the legislature, Lone Star Groundwater District was created. And its sole function, the role it plays in the region is to study the aquifers, from, from where we historically we've gotten all of our water supply was mm-hmm. from underground through mm-hmm. water wells. But the. All right, before we go into this, sure. there's, a, there's a. Can you tell us the distinction between groundwater and surface water? Because I think that's something people get confused about. You're right. You really need that context because it's so critical to the story. So when an individual turns on the faucet at their sink and water comes out, that's, that's generally what they care about. Yes. Water comes out. And it's clean and mm-hmm. healthy. And then how much do they pay at the end of the month? That's right. <laughs> but very little thought goes into where did it come from. That's right. And really, you can divide it broadly into two categories. It's either underground or above ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, underground meaning it comes from an aquifer and you have to drill a well. You have to pump the water out of the ground and treat it and then deliver it to the homes. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of advantages to groundwater. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about those in a minute. But surface water, on the other hand, simply means... It's water. It was rain. It fell. It flowed through creeks and streams and was generally it's probably collected in a reservoir like mm-hmm. Lake Conroe, Lake Houston, Lake Livingston, Lake Travis, mm-hmm. all man-made reservoirs in Texas and built for the purpose of water supply. Mm-hmm. And so we capture that water. You have to treat it. So it's more expensive to treat than groundwater typically. Uh, but then you treat it, deliver it to the homes. And in our case, for the woodlands, we actually blend the two sources together. Mm-hmm. Now, it hasn't always been that way. The entire wasn't there a big project a few years ago with laying the uh, laying all the pipelines through the woodlands and yes and I'm I'm that sure was a the, fun that was oh a fun guys I'm sure the viewers remember that project <laughs> because all the roads that were impacted for that construction and that was what in 2010 11 construction started in 2012 2012 uh, okay. really it ran through 2015 so yep. about okay. a three year period to complete it all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but took a while it hasn't always been that way yeah. our region. In, and I mean the entire Houston region, used to be on 100% groundwater. It, there was enough mm-hmm. groundwater available to meet the demands. Mm-hmm. But as the population grew and the demand for water grew, the region realized this isn't sustainable. We can't That's continue right. to rely on a sole source of supply. We've mm-hmm. got to have a, a, a dual Which, back to your supply. original mission, is are we going to have water in 50, 75, 100 years? Yes. 
long term. Yeah, I mean, very few, uh, very few entities are forced to plan that far in advance mm -hmm. or have the fun, the funds or the the mm -hmm. capability to. And that's why River Authorities were created. We partner with other local entities, mm -hmm. and that's 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 how we work. But the planning horizon is tremendous, and mm -hmm. that's what really what it takes because the lead time on a reservoir project can be thirty to forty years. Yeah, uh, and. And it's hard to build reservoirs now as we continue to fill up the land in Montgomery County and surrounding and counties. I, and I think funding is critical. And that's something yeah. that to think about. You know, the San Jacinto River Authority is a non-taxing entity. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't generate any revenue from any type of taxation, any type of fees, mm -hmm. any type of taxing. In fact, how does SGRA develop its revenue? It's all from contracts with customers. Mm -hmm. So... Originally, sort of one of our first streams of revenue was water sales. Mm -hmm. So SGRA owned water rights in the San Jacinto River. Mm -hmm. uh, this was prior to the construction of Lake Houston or Lake Conroe. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had customers, industrial customers, Humble Oil. And don't those make up the majority of your water usage in your revenue today? They still are. That's yeah. right. Our largest customer is ExxonMobil's Baytown Refinery. That's right. So you have a contract with a customer that wants to either buy water from you mm -hmm. or they want you to come and treat their wastewater mm -hmm. or provide some other governmental type service. We mm -hmm. actually have another service in the Woodlands that's, that's hardly known about. There are five mud districts in the Woodlands that geographically cover Bear Branch, Panther Branch, Alden Branch, the major drainage systems for the Woodlands. Mm -hmm. They're covered by those five muds. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they, those have to be maintained. You have to do mowing. You have to take out the, the trees that fall down, make sure the pilot channels stay clear. Mm -hmm. So the MUDs asked the River Authority many years ago. They mm -hmm. contracted with us mm -hmm. to maintain the mowing contracts, inspect the drainage waste periodically, make mm -hmm. sure they're clear, and, and keep track of that maintenance. So we do that. It's a mm -hmm. contract. So every service we provide, every product we deliver, it's all through a contract. That's our only means of funding. That's so right. we really have to operate sort of like a business. So in a nutshell, SGRA, Woodlands Water, and Lone Star. Just real quick summary. How do those? What are the differing responsibilities of those three entities? SGRA and Woodlands Water are on the supply side. We have to supply water to customers. Okay. We get that supply from groundwater historically. Mm -hmm. Now it is dual supply, groundwater and surface water. Yeah. So we have two sources of supply, which is mm -hmm. a great, very safe place to be. Mm -hmm. Lone Star is... It's purely the manager of the aquifer. Their okay. sole function is to study the aquifer, determine how much can we safely and sustainably pump from the aquifer, mm -hmm. and then limit the users to that amount. Mm -hmm. That's their role. And that's consistent with every groundwater district in the state of Texas. Wait, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. As regulators, basically. So they would regulate that. But in not Got every it. area of the state has a groundwater manager district. Mm -hmm. So that's well, that's a little bit different. It's not mandated that every area of the state have one. But mm -hmm. Montgomery County does. And so they do mm -hmm. regulate those areas, the, the groundwater. But Which makes sense. Uh, Montgomery County has a population of about half a million now. It's obviously grown in the past. We look to be a million plus residents in the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, an aquifer is not going to be able to. An aquifer that, by the way, has all those holes drilled at and, and pulling all that water out is from more than just Montgomery County. Doesn't Houston and other areas pull out of that aquifer as well? Yes. The aquifers, it's, there's several aquifers that layer one on top of the other. And, and they're like all shared. There's Jasper aquifer, Edwards aquifer. Right. That's Evangeline. an important point because they don't recognize, I mean, the aquifer does not recognize uh, political boundaries. That's right. So That's it, run, right. it runs underneath all the, all the regional counties. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the same aquifers we pump from in Montgomery County are some of the same ones they use for the city of Houston, Harris County. Uh, they all overlap. And, and we have seen uh, in the recent past that it's been more and more difficult to pump that water out of the aquifer. That, you know, there's pressure in the aquifer, but as that reduces with a lower amount of water, you have to drill deeper and you've got to, uh, it's harder to force that water out of the ground, right? Absolutely. And and you say recent past, but honestly, this isn't new. The greater Houston region yeah. has used to rely basically 100% on groundwater. Industry, municipal, all the demand. You could drill a well anywhere you needed water. Yeah. It's uniformly distributed. It was clean. All you had to do was add a little chlorine. There was very little treatment, mm -hmm. low cost. Mm -hmm. But as the region, and I mean through the early 1900s, uh, as the region continued to grow and rely solely on groundwater, they began to see the consequences of that. Yeah. You would see water level declines in the wells. Mm -hmm. You used to when you would drill a well. Maybe the water in your well was 50 feet below the land surface. Mm -hmm. After 10 years, it was 150 feet below the land surface. 10 more years, it was 200 feet below. So, so you've got to keep drilling down lower and lower to, and lower. You had to keep lowering the pump in your well. Yeah. And that they realized, well, we can't do this forever. And then the other big factor for our region of the state is subsidence. So yes. as the water levels dropped and the pressure in those layers was reduced, mm -hmm. you began to see the land surface actually mm -hmm. subside. Uh, and I don't mean a little bit. In the ship channel area, they've had over 10 feet of subsidence. Wow. So when you're near sea level, that's a massively critical issue. Mm -hmm. Now, we're in the woodlands in Montgomery County. Obviously, we're not at sea level. We're, mm -hmm. you know, 60 plus miles away from the, the hurricane storm surge zone. But mm -hmm. if you have subsidence and it's not uniform, which it typically isn't, mm -hmm. it can impact drainage patterns. That's right. Have a negative impact on flooding. It, which in turn, uh, as we get those, uh, what seem to be increasingly uh, more, uh, you know, more water when we get those storms come through. So you, it's kind of like literally, you know, no pun intended, a perfect storm. You get all this rain, you know, from uh, the hurricanes or the tax day floods, and then you combine that with subsidence, and then you just get more and more damage to property uh, because of uh, the flooding. That's right. That's why managing how much we pump is so important. Well, I do want to plug uh, an event that we have coming up soon. And again, water is an important resource. We always say that if, if we didn't have water, uh, no one would live here. You know, we wouldn't have any transportation issues because uh, there wouldn't be any cars on the road. We, need, you know, we can't live here without water. So on March 17th at Lone Star uh, Community College on uh, at the systems office on research in Goslin, we will have a forum. We will have uh, SGRA, uh, Woodlands Water Association, Lone Star Groundwater, and a private uh, well developer, uh, Quadvest, uh, will be on a panel. And that'll be at 4 p.m. again at Lone Star at Gosling and Research. And we're just going to talk about this very important issue because it's, it's become controversial. And uh, I know you guys sometimes are in the middle of that, about, uh, you know, what water is in the aquifer, what water is not in the aquifer, what's happening. Uh, how do we plan for the future? Because at, from a chamber standpoint, uh, we feel it. Uh, well, we one of our basic uh, functions is to advocate for the community, not just the businesses. I live here and I work here, mm -hmm. but that we have to have water in the decades to come. So this is something we're paying really close attention to. So everyone is invited uh, again at Lone Stars in the community building. Um, so that's going to be on March 17th at 4 p.m. Uh, along with you know, subsidence issues and in uh, in these increasing storms. And what what other, you know, what other threats are you seeing to our our water supply? 
You know, the water business would be easy if the right amount of rain fell at the right times. In the right places. In the right places, exactly. <laughs> it's it's the times when there's not enough and too much that make the water business tough. Yeah. And what's amazing is if you look at the last 10 years, since 2010, the first basically four years of that decade were the driest years in Texas history. 2010, 2011, right. especially that drought. I remember Lake Travis was dry was over really in Austin. Low. Yeah, really low. And Lake Conroe was over eight feet low at one point in that yes. drought. And then you start in about 2015, and we have had four to five of the wettest years in Texas history. That's right. And then you cap it off with the largest single storm in United States history with Hurricane Harvey. So it, it's amazing for, for all of us in the water business to think mm -hmm. about the extremes we've been through just in 10 years. Normally, you hope to not go through those kind of extremes in your career. That's right. And we've packed them into 10 years. Congratulations. So. <laughs> yeah. You and Heather get to, get to deal with all that. It, it has made uh, the challenge difficult. Now, what? But, but the truth of the matter is the folks in the business plan for those things. You, you have to. If you're planning on a 50 to 100 year time frame, yeah. you're planning on severe mm -hmm. droughts. You're planning on severe floods. And so you do a lot of things to be prepared for those. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge is informing the public as they live through those events. Because yes. they don't do this for a living. That's right. Just they expect that to be taken care of, but well, they should expect Like we that said earlier, you know, uh, water is very boring until it isn't. And then people get really interested and it becomes really controversial. And uh, at the end of the day, we want to be able to just, you know, live. We want to be able to go home and, you know, turn on the tap and water be there. Uh, we want to be able to get out of our uh, subdivisions uh, and not be flooded in. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's it seems to be like a very simple thing, uh, but it's just not. Uh, you know, and I know we've talked about uh, Lake Conroe and there's some issue with how much to lower that. Uh, and, and we have friends. Uh, uh, it reminds me, I used to work for a congressman in East Texas and he had a sign on his wall that would say, half of my friends are for it and half of my friends are against it. And I'm 100% <laughs> behind my friends. <laughs> so we, uh, it, it, it's, uh, and, and we do. We, uh, uh, we're great friends with like Houston Chamber of Commerce, with Jenna Armstrong over there. We respect and understand the impact well, I would say we never understand the impact that you go through it, but but we know that they've suffered through major flooding issues. Uh, we also are great friends with Brian Bondi and, and the Conroe, Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce. And I think one of the things that we're all disappointed in, uh, to the point that uh, as our respective boards have talked about what we can do to make the conversation uh, more civil and respectful, that, uh, you know, uh, Brian and Jenna may disagree on this issue. But they can still go to lunch together and still talk about ways that we can work together. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the Lake Conroe lowering and some of the uh, some of the facts around what you're seeing sure. there? Sure. I mean, I think it, it's a perfect example of an issue that is it's passionate. Uh, it's difficult for people. It's very emotional. Yep. Um, and it has kind of fallen prey to the very common. Uh, thing that we do as humans, we, we tend to polarize the issue. We tend to take up a side. We tend to view the facts from our perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of someone on the other side and try to view the facts from their perspective. But this truly is a case where, take, for example, the lowering of Lake Conroe. So if we lower Lake Conroe one foot, that creates about 20,000 acre feet of volume that's available 
to capture runoff before the lake would fill and then we would have to begin some releases. That's a significant amount of volume. And Mm -hmm. so there's a debate. Just how much benefit does that create? Because this is all about we're creating, we're trying to create a benefit, flood mitigation protection for downstream. That's right. There are burdens to doing that. So mm-hmm. if you lower a water supply reservoir, there are some burdens that immediately you, you've reduced how much water supply you have available. Yeah. Um, you've had some impacts to the residents that live around that reservoir. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all true statements. Yeah. Now, how much benefit and what the relative value of that benefit is depends on your perspective. That's true. If you're downstream, that 20,000 acre feet of volume is tremendously important. It's mm-hmm. critical. Mm-hmm. It's going to you know, prevent flooding. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking at it from the upstream perspective, you'll look at some of the analysis, some of the work the engineers have done, and you'll look at a number, eight inches of, of reduction in the river level at mm-hmm. I-45, for example, and you'll argue that that's not worth the burden. Yeah. And that's what we've had to deal with. It's been a struggle. The board basically last week after we had three or four hours of public comment, and I want, I want, I do want to say, people, the chamber spoke first, and yeah. they, they expressed just what you did. That you know what, guys, yeah. we can disagree on this and work together. And yeah. I felt like the testimony really was great. I mean, people came I'm up to hear that. People, they had heartfelt testimony, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. And we wanted to get that input from the public. Yeah. Uh, in the end, the board voted on a little bit of a compromise. Mm-hmm. The city of Houston wanted to lower the lake. Originally, we'd been doing a two feet, two foot lowering in the fall. Yeah, the city wanted to reduce that to eighteen inches. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff presented some data, and we recommended lowering one foot in the fall. Mm-hmm. The board settled on a little bit of a compromise, so one foot will occur in August. Okay, and then six more inches after Labor Day weekend. Okay. So the board was trying to acknowledge that this is an impact on it Lake Conroe residents. Yeah. So they wanted to delay some of that until mm-hmm. after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, the action just happened last week, so I don't have final word from the city of Houston mm-hmm. on whether they're going to accept that because ultimately it's their decision. The water that's being released is their water rights mm-hmm. it's from their supplies out of Lake Conroe. Mm-hmm. So they have, they're the final approver of it. But mm-hmm. the indications we have right now are that they, they appreciate that the board kind of counter proposed a little bit of a compromise to yeah. what the city wanted. And I think we're going to get there. Is everybody happy? No. Um, that's kind of the definition of a compromise. It is, uh, and it's tough for us. We, yeah, it really is. We, I wish we could please everyone. I really do. Oh yeah. And JJ, your viewers and your listeners may not know that the city of Houston owns two thirds of the water that's in Lake Conroe, exactly. and so the releases are from their water rights, from the water that they own in Lake Conroe. That's true. Which in uh, Kingwood is part of the city of Houston, so it, the city of Houston can even be in, in a little bit of a quandary as well because. If they lower Lake Conroe or reduce their ability to pull water out of Lake Conroe, then that could affect the rest of the city of Houston's water supply, right. even if it lowers the flooding risk for the, the, the residents around Kingwood. Um, why don't we take a quick uh, break right now, and, uh, and we will come. We'll be right back. Woodlands Online is committed to serving our local community. From news and events coverage to shows and blogs, everything we do is hyper-local. Woodlands Online, by the Woodlands, for the Woodlands. Okay, welcome back to Between the Trees. Uh, my name is JJ Holly. I'm the President of the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce. And we have Heather Cook, and we have Jace Houston with the Sanders Center River Authority. And we've been talking a lot about water issues and how water is managed in the county and what we're going to do in the next 10, 20, 50, 100 years to make sure we have water. 
uh, before the break, we were talking about the seasonal lowering. And uh, do you want to finish up some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there was really one more critical point I wanted to make. As, as the city of Houston staff and SJA staff were working together and talking back and forth about some ideas for a compromise over the last month, the state's emergency management office uh, mm-hmm. joined us and wanted to be in those discussions. That's the Texas Division of Emergency Management. Yeah. And one of the biggest factors they wanted to emphasize was, guys, you've got to work together. Yeah. Because in the future, after this past legislative session, their future flood funding, which mm-hmm. will, well, we have a new flood infrastructure fund, mm-hmm. and the state did a lot of work to make available funding for future projects mm-hmm. for mitigation. Mm-hmm. They said those applications for funding will be scored mm-hmm. and prioritized. They'll be competitive. And one of the primary factors for scoring is regional cooperation. They basically, the message right. to us was, guys, you've got to work together. Yep. And if you can't work together on this first project out of the box, that, that doesn't bode well for future funding. So we yep. really worked hard uh, to try to come up with a compromise that both sides mm-hmm. could get behind. Will everyone be behind it? Of course not. But enough have to be. That's right. Well, and, and one point that I uh, thought about earlier is Harris County recently passed a two and a half B billion dollars uh, worth of uh, bonds to implement flood management projects. And we know they're doing some work on Lake Houston. I know you and I have talked before about the importance of when we do have flood events to get that water out to the Gulf of Mexico as soon as possible. So um, the San Jacinto River water, watershed is just one watershed flowing into Lake Houston. I think one of what, three or four? Oh my goodness. Or more? Eight to 10. Yeah. So there's a lot of water going into Lake Houston. Um, a, a smaller, you know, what is it, about 20% or so of the water is really coming from the San Jacinto River watershed. From the Lake Conroe watershed. From Lake Conroe watershed. So a uh, minority of water is coming from Lake Conroe. I know that a lot of people are paying attention to SGRA and Montgomery County because they have an organization they can talk to. They don't have organizations that manage those other watersheds. To the extent that you guys do. And there's a control point. Yep. There's a control structure on the Lake Conroe watershed. Exactly. None of the, the rest other, is just free right. flowing through. Free flowing uh, yeah. creeks and streams that join together and eventually flow into yeah. Lake Houston. So right now, this is the only control point. Yeah. Now, as part of a large regional study we're doing in partnership with Harris County Flood Control, they're looking at other mitigation strategies to mm-hmm. build at other locations across the watershed. Spring mm-hmm. Creek is one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the strategies being studied is the potential to construct mm-hmm. a flood control reservoir or a flood detention reservoir, which is basically a dry lake that would its yeah. sole purpose would be to fill up and catch rainwater mm-hmm. at the beginning of a storm event. Sort of like Attics and Barker, but on a smart, smaller scale. Mm-hmm. That could be a critical project. It might end up being about... 20,000 acre feet of volume, which is about what we're trying to create in Lake Conroe. But that's still a valuable project. And if you add all those together, I mean, we're not going to get another Lake Conroe, right? Or Lake Livingston. There's not enough room for that. But if you could build smaller um, and they can serve sort of a dual purpose, even if some are dry, some are not, you know, you could still store that water. You could have that capacity. So it just slows down that water getting down to Lake Houston, getting to the Kingwood area. And then the projects they're doing on Lake Houston to try to uh, clean out uh, a lot of, uh, you know, underbrush and and, uh, uh, and then along St. Jacinto River to clean out uh, because there's a lot of silt and flow in there. Right. But anyway, anything we can do to get that water through Lake Houston, past it, and then on down. I've told people before, there, there are no there are no large projects like a Lake mm-hmm. Conroe, like an Attics, like a Barker. It's going right. to take dozens of smaller projects. So every one of those projects is going to be important. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we talked a little bit about uh, Lone Star Groundwater. Do you want to roll that up into the conversation? That uh, what are some other things we need to talk about? With so I guess the the important thing for people to know because over the next year or two or three, this there's a debate playing out, and so I think I think your viewers would probably um, be well served have a little bit of context. As we mentioned before, SGRA, Woodlands Water, mm -hmm. all the other cities and utilities in Montgomery County, we're all on the water supply side. Mm -hmm. We have customers we serve. They have a demand for a certain amount of water. and We've got to go find the supply to meet that demand. That's mm -hmm. our role. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're using a mixture of groundwater and surface water. Mm -hmm. That's new. Surface water came online in 2015, but it is extremely beneficial to have dual supplies. If something goes down, if you have a problem with one, you've always got a backup. And most so people would understand the value of diversification. Absolutely. You know, we do that in our 401ks and, mm -hmm. you know, in our revenue streams for our businesses so that we don't have just uh, no, not a one trick pony. In fact, in, in, in the water business, mm -hmm. we refer to our, all of our water rights as our portfolio yeah. water rights. That's and right. We want to diversify right. portfolios. We borrowed mm -hmm. that language from the financial industry. Yep. Well, in Montgomery County, the debate that's going on right now is just how much groundwater can we rely on mm -hmm. for supply? Mm -hmm. This is the same issue Harris County has had to deal with in Galveston County and Fort Bend County. They've all had to struggle with this issue. Mm -hmm. How much groundwater can we pump? It's the cheapest supply. Yes. It's the first one you want to use. It's the cheapest and cleanest. It's clean. It's, yeah. It requires very little treatment. Yeah. It's pre-distributed. You can mm -hmm. drill wells wherever you want to build a subdivision. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best. It's mm -hmm. the way to go. Mm -hmm. You only want to go to the next supply when you have to. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, that's the point our region began reaching in the mm -hmm. 1940s, 50s, and 60s. They realized we can't continue to be a one-trick pony. We're going to have to have some other water supplies. Yeah. Montgomery County didn't really hit that point until the 1980s, 1990s. They created mm -hmm. Lone Star in 2001. Mm -hmm. Lone Star did a calculation. They ran some numbers. They did the science, and they determined that you can pump around 64,000 acre feet per year, and they felt like that would be reasonably sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so that's the mm -hmm. limit that they put in place. Oh, and by the way, just because it rains here, doesn't mean it just magically fills the aquifer back up. Right. Our, our aquifers are extremely tight. They I mean, I, I, I've had somebody tell me that at the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's, it's raining. It's filling the aquifer back up. No, not, not for probably hundreds, if not a thousand <laughs> years. That's right. In fact, people don't realize how old that water is. Down. That's right. right. In fact, the water we pump here and deliver in the woodlands was was rain in Walker County, five hundred thousand, fifteen hundred years ago. Exactly. I mean, it, it is old, old water. Yeah. Um, and so that's the issue that's going to be debated: is is how much can we pump sustainably, reliably? Well, what if we have some more water level declines in the aquifer? What if we use instead of sixty four thousand? What if we use ninety? Yeah. Or a hundred thousand mm -hmm. acre feet. It's cheaper. Believe me, we all want to maximize the amount of groundwater we can use. And we're already seeing the symptoms of subsidence and in the the uh, the need to uh, drill deeper wells and lower the pumps. And so we already we're already seeing symptoms of that the aquifer is not at the level that it's been in the past. Well, you're you're, you're jumping ahead to the Sorry debate a little bit, yeah. but that's okay. But you are absolutely right. We we are. We have had one to three feet, depending on whether you're at the southern end of the woodlands or the northern end sure. or towards Conroe, mm -hmm. Montgomery County has seen one to three feet of subsidence already. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. we've seen the impacts of water levels declining. The mm -hmm. San Chino River Authority has had wells where we've lowered the pumps numerous times mm -hmm. to the point that we can't lower the pump anymore. So we abandon that well and we have to drill a new well. Uh, there's Which a is another 
big expense. Yes, absolutely. How much does it cost on average? You know, for a large water well, you know, I've been told it's a couple million dollars. Is that all? <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, it's just and water's not cheap. You know, uh, and I, I've heard. Uh, can you also go into a little bit about uh, how the uh, the surface water plan was funded? Because I, I know there are some areas that are contributing to that funding, but they they didn't have the pipes run to their areas. Some of them say, well, I'm, I'm paying for this. What am I getting for it? That is one of the most frequent challenges that I have to explain to people because there are 80 different participants that join together, all in Montgomery County, different utilities, join together to be a part of a regional plan to build the surface water plant. But only six are receiving surface water. So I've spoken in many city council meetings and many yeah. mud board meetings over the years to groups that say, why are we paying? Because we're not receiving the actual mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Well, here's how that works. Back in 2006, when Lone Star adopted its rules, they told all 200 utilities in the county, mm-hmm. thou shalt convert 30%. You shall reduce your pumpage by 30%. Now, mm-hmm. you 200 can go figure out how you want to do it, mm-hmm. but that's your target. The River Authority offered a proposal to, to all 200 and said, you, you, you can still go and do your own plan and convert however you want, but we're offering a plan we think will save you money. And this is how it works. Whoever joins ended up being about 80 different utilities in our case. We're going to build the smallest, most efficient system we can mm-hmm. to achieve that 30% conversion, mm-hmm. not by delivering water to all 80, because mm-hmm. that would be enormously expensive, Prohibitively expensive. It would be in terms expensive, and also all those pipelines mm-hmm. that are going in the ground are going to impact your roads and your travel, as, as we saw in the areas that were where the pipelines were built. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine the all the cost and, yeah. and expense of that program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we told them up front, mm-hmm. even even if fifty join or eighty or however many, we're only going to deliver enough surface water to mm-hmm. a small group of customers as possible to achieve the conversion goal that's been set out by Lone Star. Which were the customers that were using the most water as well, right? It happened to be, well, there's there's a couple of factors that help you choose where you deliver the lines. Yeah. You want you don't want to go very far. So yeah. distance-wise, you try mm-hmm. to get to as large a population centers as you can with the least amount of pipe possible. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's we, we ran lines from Lake Conroe to the city of Conroe mm-hmm. around the north side of the city to pick up several of their water plants. Mm-hmm. And then we ran down Fish Creek. We picked up a couple of utilities along Fish Creek mm-hmm. in the Wood Forest area. Mm-hmm. And we ran all the way through the woodlands. So we picked up all the woodlands plants, Oak Ridge mm-hmm. North, Shenandoah, not Shenandoah, Oak Ridge North, Rayford Road Mud, and Southern Montgomery County Mud. Yep. Yep. So that's a that's a large population of Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you immediately have some economies of scale. Mm-hmm. But all 80 utilities are sharing the cost. Mm-hmm. Conroe and the Woodlands and those other customers are, are on about 50% groundwater, 50% surface water. Mm-hmm. So they take a blend. Mm-hmm. But that was enough conversion to meet the 30% requirement for, for everybody. Yep. Yep. That's the cost saving. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. I've used maps. I've used PowerPoints. I've used... <laughs> you know, a lot of different ways to explain it, but that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, the largest volume users, and which kind of comes back to what we started out talking about was the woodlands and how SJRA is the wholesale provider in the woodlands. So mm-hmm. our woodlands division is one of the, is one of the large volume users of water. So we, as Jay said, we provide directly to that division as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and it is uh, people like to see tangible benefits. 
they like that you know they'd be much more if they saw it. It, it almost if they saw the lines going in even though they had to reroute their daily commute that see oh well that's what i'm paying for but they don't understand that what they're paying for is that overall groundwater reduction usage so that we can all have water again in the future long-term water supply long-term reliability mm-hmm. i've told the story before during construction that if, if someone digs up the road in front of my house and, and disrupts my commute but they tell me my internet will be three times faster when they're done. I'm really happy about that. That's right. But with water, the benefits are invisible. They're 50 years out. It, it's just not the same immediate impact. So it's a lot harder. So it is hard. Uh, Heather, would you like to uh, tell us a little about how uh, residents and businesses can get information from Sanderson River about watersheds or anything else that might be going. I know people are concerned sure. about flooding sure. and how can they get the most up-to-date information. That's, we get a lot of questions about that. We get the most mm-hmm. up-to-date information from SGRA. And the best way is to follow us on social media. Uh, we post everything very timely on social media. Also to go to our website, um, sgra.net, and to sign up for alerts. So we have email alerts. We also have text alerts. So mm-hmm. during uh, weather events, we send out very frequent information, and those are the mm-hmm. best two ways to get it. So by email or by text alerts. Uh, we also, on our website, we have a link to uh, knowyourwatershed.com, mm-hmm. and there you can find information on the entire St. Jason River Basin, the different watersheds. You can see how water flows, and just like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier about how all the water does flow down into Lake Houston and down into the Gulf. You can mm-hmm. actually see that. You can see the flow patterns. Mm-hmm. You can put in an address and it'll pinpoint exactly where you are mm-hmm. in the watershed and then show you how that water flows. Another component of Know Your Watershed is a um, is a story map. So you can actually look at different locations down the San Jacinto River. It has videos, photos, and um, things like that just to educate people on, uh, on the river and the watersheds. Right. Well, I want to thank you both for being here today. This has been very informative. And I know we've just really, you know, we've, we've just kind of got the cliff notes. I mean, water, is, it is a complicated thing. Um, but I thank you both for uh, doing your best to explain that to us. I, I learn something every time I talk to you. This is about the 20th time I think you're not that discussion. So uh, I'm, I'm very good at, at retaining the information. I just get little bits and pieces. But uh, I'd like to remind everybody that we have the water forum on March 17th at 4 p.m at Lone Star, uh, Lone Star College at the Systems Office, which is at Research in Gosling, and will be in the Community Building. So that's on March 17th at 4 p.m., and we look forward to seeing both of you there. So thank you for the time. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.